Hey, deserving listeners. One of the things that my students are almost always asking me about, and they don't just ask me about it once, they ask me about it dozens of times, is how do I start a private practice? How do I get clients? How do I stay ethical? How do I stay connected? How do I take a headshot? How do I get supervision? How do I get fully licensed? How do I market myself? Who do I connect with? You know, how do I get an office? What kind of chair should I have? Um, all these kinds. Of, where should I have the office? Should I have a home office? There's just so many questions. In and one of the things that we do as a training program is we train people to be therapists, but we don't actually formally train people for private practice. We we train people to work at several different jobs. Um, and a lot of people are interested in private practice in my field, if, if you don't know. If you're not in the field, you probably don't know this. But if you are in the field, you probably do know this. It's because when you work in public mental health or community agencies, they are often highly stressful and you don't get paid a lot. Whereas private practice can is usually a lot less stress, a lot less paperwork, a lot less hassle. And like in terms of money, could pay you two, three, four, five, up to 10 times as much as a job at, at an agency. And so students are frequently coming to me and saying, let's, let's talk about, let's talk about uh, private practice. And, and another thing that, so, so, so there's that. And then I, so I'll spend time in class talking about it, but it never really uh, uh, satiates their needs. They they always just they're always like okay I, I still have more questions even though we've been talking about it for three hours, um, but the other thing I do is I actually will also um, uh, survey students and graduates regarding what they think about the program and inevitably someone will say a, a minority of people will say I wish there was more support for private practice I wish there was a class on private practice I wish. You know, you just helped us with that because it's so complicated and we just need help with it. And it just seems like the, the training program should provide it. And as someone who has been program director, I'm here to tell you, like, if we add that as a class, that would be cumbersome to people that don't want to go into private practice. Right. Um, and if we added an elective, you know, it's just a question. You're just as a program director, you're always just kind of thinking about whether or not it would actually work within the program. Well... Uh, as part of a solution to this, one of our esteemed instructors, Laura Matthews, who's been on the podcast before talking about eating disorders, if you remember in the past, and she and her partner have opened a new workshop to talk about how to build and maintain a, a private practice uh, in in mental health, and so I thought I'd have have her on the show to talk about her workshop and maybe about this topic in general. Welcome to the podcast, Laura. Thanks. So, would you like to introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, my name's Laura Matthews Gransberry. I just got married in September, and I'm trying to make that name conversion, which uh, is difficult, <laughs> both logistically and and also just. In, within the profession, so I'm kind of going by both right now. Um, I'm teaching faculty at Antioch, uh, and I have a private practice in West Seattle. You were a graduate of the Couple and Family Therapy Program, as was I. Correct. And so you're here to talk about that. So you um, tell us about the journey you went on regarding this topic. Why did you want to start this workshop? 
I wanted to, well, we, my husband and I, uh, wanted to help is the, the most basic way to say that. I, when he and I met, I was working at a, a eating disorder clinic. You know, you mentioned I talked about that before. So I was had worked in, in residential facilities for, gosh, the better part of five years and had always known that my dream was private practice, but there was this seemingly mountain of to climb in between that, uh, you know, from where I was to, to opening private practice seemed impossible um, for a variety of reasons. And when Dustin and I got together, he's very business minded. He, he, you know, he's opened business runs, run has opened businesses, runs businesses, um, is in tech business stuff right now. Right. He, he's part of, correct me if I'm wrong, the Seattle culture, subculture of startup culture, startup. Mm-hmm. like they call it, you know, I'm working on a new startup or yeah. I'm working, I'm working on investments for startups. There, yeah. There's this, I, I, I have friends and actually family members who are into that in Seattle. And it's always interesting to hear them talk. Yes. They, they have a different language. It's a different perspective on and, what's and, but, possible. But even a different language. Like yeah. they use different words for things, you know? Yeah. I used the word bandwidth the other day. I was talking to you about something and you're like, does that, does that come from your husband? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're like, I, yeah. yeah, I'm just wondering if I have enough bandwidth for that. Yeah. And I was like, Ooh, that sounds like, Definitely. that sounds like startup talk. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so he was talking with you about this sort of stuff. Yeah. And really was as someone that loved and cared about me was seeing the stress and strain and financial struggle that I was having at my job. And so he started asking questions, you know, what's, what's the dream? What do you want to do? What, what's keeping you from doing that? Just being really loving and curious and, I told him the dream has al- had always been private practice, um, and so he asked, wh- you know, why not? And I had a, a laundry list of reasons uh, why that was scary and difficult, um, but the main list of reasons could really be grouped into a lack of knowledge of how mm-hmm. and um, needing some guidance in that area and, you know, a step-by-step guide of some kind. Um, I didn't feel like that... I had that and it was scary to think about going from a salaried job to next to nothing as you're building um, is a big part of that. So, And the uncertainty of your income. Absolutely. Even if you do have a steady income. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that it, fluctu- it fluctuates and it, it does. Yeah. So it's, you know, how to – I didn't know anything about how to prepare for that financially and, and even when the practice is built and, and flourishing, how to – navigate a thousand dollar swing you know from one month to the next sometimes we got married in september so november was a financially rough month because i had you know took almost three weeks off in in september and i didn't know how to navigate those things and so it was a very daunting scary scary thing um and yeah just a side note on that is when i talk with students about this i i say well, you want to have say five to ten thousand dollars cash in your checking account, just yeah. in case you have a downturn in your client load. Right. And the looks that I get on from their faces, like they're, they're like deer in a headlights. <laughs> like there's, they're like ten thousand yeah. dollars cash. I, I'm having trouble coming up with right. money for the parking meter. Right? How in the world? And I'm like, well, you understand, because these are students who are, sh- you know, shoveling out lots of money for their training and 
they are working for free at an internship site. Absolutely. And so here I am telling them, uh, look, you will be making money at this eventually, no matter what. Yes. It's just a matter of how much. If you're at an agency, you'll earn this much. If you're in private practice, eventually you're, you'll earn this much. And having ten thousand dollars cash in the bank is actually not that hard to achieve when, yeah. when you, especially when you have a full time private practice. Yeah. So, so that's another thing that I think people run into is just like a general lack of self esteem regarding, am I worth it? Would someone come to me? Would right. people actually pay money? Because, because again. People start out in in training feeling like they're crap, like they know nothing and they'll never be good at it ever. Right. You know, there's just this. In, I've never met a student who thought, "Yeah, I'm going to be a good they were therapist." Great. Yeah, um, I mean, they hope, right? And and then they start internship site and they're begging for hours. You know, please let me work for free. Please give me clients, and it creates this this mindset for therapists early on that they're worth nothing mm-hmm. and that. They are, you know, as a gift, people give them clients so they can work for free. Right. You know, it's like, thank you so much for giving me this client so I can work for free. Right. Oh, my God, I'm so lucky. And the idea of actually being paid $150 uh, an hour by by a client is like absurd to them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because they're probably, are, you know, if you worked in what they're paying for their training, they're probably paying $150 themselves to get the client. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, so go on with your story. And I I remember what that was like. You know, I remember being there and being that struggling student, so poor, just, you know, definitely I was working at the time um, as well as doing school and internship, which was a whole nother can of worms. Um, I was crazy. But just trying to make make rent, you know, and, and what is that look like and feel like. And, and I, I remember that. And then when I graduated and was working in these agencies that it got better, I got, I got paid first of all. Um, and I got paid more than I was making at my non industry, non-clinical job. Um, so at first I was really excited cause I, somebody was paying me for what I went to school for. Um, and then it just got to be a kind of a, a grind, you know, that's not, not enough for the amount of effort that I'm putting out and yeah and working at an agency you worked at a an inpatient eating disorder Mm -hmm. uh, facility and there's it's noble work it is it's important work i learned a lot yeah you get paid you you get a steady paycheck you get health insurance you get support you get supervision you you get a lot of things that are really wonderful Mm -hmm. and so we're not saying that working at these agencies is substandard somehow. Of course it, There's pros and cons and, and there's different career paths. Um, you and I are going to speak a little biased for private practice because that's, yes. that's the lifestyle that we like. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we should just keep that in mind. Of you know? course. And um, so, you know, because for some people, the stress of being in private practice is way worse than the stress of working at an agency. Yeah, it's definitely a personal personal decision, personal choice about, you know, what where you want your stress to come from. I still have very close friends and community that, that work in these places, and they will tell me outright every time I talk about private practice, like I w- they say I would never want to deal with all of that. And that's that. It's their choice, and that's right. for them. Right, and it works for them. Right, they go to work. Yep, they get paid no matter what. Absolutely, they never have they to worry. They get PTO. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, okay, so so your your husband's talking with you about this, yeah. uh, or your fiance or partner at the time. Yeah, and you're thinking about opening your practice, and then what? Yeah, and we sort of landed on the the decision to go forth and prosper. <laughs> we uh, there was one 
weekend, I, I, I remember I needed to, I woke up and it had been a particularly stressful week. And I think it was a, a Sunday. And I just woke up with this feeling of I need to get out of Dodge. I have to go somewhere else other than Seattle. So we hopped on a ferry and we went over to Bainbridge and had breakfast. Uh, the Steamliner, I think it was called. Uh, cute little place. And this poor waitress, we sat at that table for two hours talking about this process. And and it was at, in that moment that, that we decided that this was... Um, the way to go and set out a plan for when I would leave my job and how to navigate the this changeover. Um, and I didn't feel like I had the bandwidth, <laughs> the uh, mental uh, capacity to, to start the gears turning in private practice while I was still putting forth so much effort at my job. It just seemed really overwhelming to me. So I quit my job and then pursued pursued the the build of the private practice and it took a very long time um because I didn't I didn't have the step by step guide I was learning all the things myself and and reaching out to people that I had known that had gone into private practice and picking their brain and what did you do and how did you do that and what's the right resource for this and you know I I sort of I tapped all my resources right. and that's which is the, the only thing I could do right that's the typical path right. is to reach out to just people you know who might have information. Yeah. And, you know, some of the information, since it's not formalized or researched, is going to be anecdotal right. and false. Right. <laughs> and so, so, uh, uh, <clears throat> so be, and, and I think you're exhibiting part of the, you know, that we're leading up to in terms of you developing your workshop is that the resources are pretty limited. Yeah. And, which is strange. Because it's a complicated thing, but there's uh, hard factual knowledge that can be, you know, imparted to people. Yeah. And just no one's really, to my knowledge, I'm sure there are other trainers in the area or online or something. And but, there are. But there, but no one that uh, really has risen to the top in terms of like, oh, you got to do this training or something. You know, right. I mean? At least not that the students that I, that we teach no it's not a common thing that they walk around campus talking about like oh this is the this is the resource that you go to for these things no one talks like that on campus no. so and it wasn't there when i was there and and i just to chime in on that a little yeah. bit is that it's it's a it's a total pain in the butt to have a workshop that that as i'm sure you know now <laughs> that for continuing education i mean this isn't for continuing education no. it's for yourself but so for those not in the know all clinicians have to get a certain amount of continuing education after graduation to yeah. uphold their license and so there's a lot of different workshops out there and i i have done some of that work myself and it's you basically have to do it because you love it it's not a huge money-making scheme. Mm -hmm. It's something that you do for fun or to, I don't know, network or something. And so you do a lot of work and you have to basically drum up people to come. You mm -hmm. know, it's not like there's this network where you instantly just sort of sign up and you have to actually advertise and like, you know, you know, we've had Rebecca Bloom on the podcast and she does continuing education unit courses and yeah. you'll hear her talk about recruiting people and stuff. And, you know, it's hard. And so for someone to step forward and say, I am going to be the guru on how to open a practice and I'm going to deal with all of that um, work and everything. It, it's a commitment that I'm sure some have done, mm -hmm. but 
but after a while, they're just like, ah, you know, I'm going to go back to just taking the easy road. <laughs> you know, eventually you got to a place where you wanted to, to do that. You yeah. wanted to step forward and say, okay, I'm going to do this. But the difference that you did was you didn't take the continuing education route. You, you just took like, we're going to, correct me if I'm wrong, create a regional resource, maybe a national, international resource, regional We'll see where this goes. I but, but right least, now we have one, <laughs> one workshop date, but, so. but at least regional uh, uh, resource for people in the Seattle area who want to attend a workshop and learn how to uh, open a practice or maintain the practice. Yeah, and from my from the looks of it, you're committing. This is a long term thing that you're going to do. You're, Hopefully, re, yeah, you're you're going to push through the initial phases of whatever kind of annoyances. You have a huge website that has lots of different things on it, and yeah. it involves you as a therapist, but also your husband who is a startup person. Both right. of you are training people on how to how to open a business. So why did you decide to take that leap and just you know? Commit your because it sounds like you're really committing to for a long time for like look where this is a this is a long term gig we're we're gonna be doing this for a long time and see and build almost like building a private practice in a sense we're gonna build a brand we're gonna build like yeah uh, I haven't thought about it that way you know um, yeah and we're we're in it to win it so what why did you make that choice because once I had started started the practice and I I was in it and I had a, a solid you know, base of clients and felt like things were, I was able to tell people like things are, things are clicking, things are turning. I can, I can, I feel comfortable now. And, um, I started reflecting on my journey and how cumbersome and for lack of a better word, ridiculous that felt that it took that, took that long and had to be that hard. Um, sort of haphazard. And- yeah. And just really in it, I'm a kind of an efficiency fanatic and, um, it seemed really inefficient to me. And then I, then Dustin and I started talking about it even further and, and what a barrier that is for people going into private practice and, and how I felt that, that barrier that I had feared was true, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and how could we help that? Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of what I went into this field for was to help other people. You know, help clients. And and how do I reach even more people than the people I see in my office? And if I can help people go into private practice and serve the people they are passionate about serving, um, that feels feels good. You yeah. Know? And, so just to chime in, because people might already be thinking like. Where do I go to find information? Oh. What's what's the website called? It's called uh, OpenYourPractice.com. OpenYourPractice.com. Yep. And you are currently having a, a workshop on Mercer Island? Yeah, it's at the Mercer Island Community Center on April 21st. Uh, it's 2018, because some people oh. might be listening to this like 10 years from now. Yeah, so. that's true. <laughs> so April what? April 21st, 2018. 2018. It's, it's a full day. It's nine to three. Yep. And if they go to your website, they can register. Yes. And what will you be talking about at that at that workshop? So many things. Um, everything from business structure setup, office setup, um, practice management tools and solutions. I, I have a great digital practice management system that I will promote <laughs> promote because I love it so much, and my clients love it. So that's you know it's tried and true there. Um, I have been a client of a therapist who's used it. So I've seen that end of it as well. And I, and I love that. Um, uh, what are you talking about? What, like what kind of management, like a, like file management? It, it, so it's a, it's a digital practice. Essentially it's called, well, I'll talk about it. It's called council. Uh, 
which is short for Counseling Solutions, and it does everything. It does charting. It holds all of my um, yeah. forms. It does all of my billing, like electronic insurance and you, claims. you pay monthly, yeah. and it's encrypted, and it, it's like HIPAA compliant. It's, everything's HIPAA compliant from... How much is it a month? Um, I pay... I was just on there, actually, and I think their prices have gone up about 10 bucks. but mine's forty nine ninety nine a month, okay. which is a completely nominal fee for the massive amount of... of work that it does for me yeah yeah so So billing and yeah and you can do i think for an extra 10 bucks a month if you do uh telehealth you know do what distance yeah yeah therapy their their portal there is hipaa compliant and so all of that it's pretty cool so okay so your workshop is uh talking about that and if and You'll be holding workshops. I think you said twice a year. Is that? What uh, we'll see how quickly this this builds. I mean, I, if we need to run one once a month, we will. Yeah. The first one holds the room holds forty nine, so it's small. Um, but we'll we'll see how see how it goes. I'm I'm hopeful. I really the the mission is to uh, it's on our website. The mission is to help a thousand clinicians go into private practice by by the year twenty twenty. So we'll see. As a few people have already told me that they've signed up mm-hmm. because I have been promoting it to people I know. Yeah. Um, and one student said, she's a student currently right now, she was like, there's no way I can afford the price yeah. at this point because I am a struggling student on loans. Some students are saying like, "Oh, it's you know, it's worth the price because it's, it's right. you know." Uh, do you want to talk about how much it costs? Yeah. So there's because I'm an Antioch alum and I teach at Antioch. There is a, a discount for Antioch students. So for Antioch students and alumni, it's two forty nine, uh, and for the general public, it's two ninety nine. Yeah, and so for some people, and I was one of those people back in the day. I'd be like two fifty for uh just a workshop like yeah. like that is insane you know that i the 250 dollars like that'll buy me a lot of hamburgers at at mcdonald's you know what i mean which is true <laughs> yeah and 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 the but the thing is is that uh and what i was telling people yesterday was that you know it's up to everyone to decide how they want to budget their life of right. course but when you th- but the thing that I think a lot of people don't realize is how much private practice costs to begin with. Yeah. I mean, and the idea is, is that they're just minor expenses for a lot of revenue eventually, right? Right. That's that's the takeaway point. Right. Definitely. You you pay – I mean, I charge $150 an hour for supervision. Right. And you need 100 hours of supervision. Uh, you need 200 hours if, if you don't come from an accredited program like Antioch. And so so – at you know at the at least uh, a typical graduate in private practice is being supervised and they are they are being charged what is that uh, $1500 right mm-hmm. $1500 to $3000 just on supervision and if you don't go to one of these workshops then you're talking with your supervisor about marketing and about how you know right. what sort of online uh, encrypted file uh, service. You, you, so, so you're, and you're all, and you're getting advice from a supervisor who might not know what they're talking about, right? Or is just sort of calling upon their own anecdotal evidence. Whereas you know you're formalizing the facts, and I'm guessing really trying to provide like good information and make sure it's all good. And so, 
Um, so two hundred and fifty dollars in in relation, and then you think about renting an office, which you know in Seattle can be like five hundred to a thousand dollars. You're thinking about advertising yourself, you know, and and paying for Facebook ads or something. You know, it's it costs money right. to be in private practice and a workshop for $250 in, in light of all that is really minor, you know? Yeah. And, and the way I was looking at it too, and the way Dustin and I talked about it, this is the, his business mind. He said, if, if somebody had told you at the outset that $250 would save you months and lots of hours and hours in this field equal money, you know? So if you could have saved that much time and, uh, an effort, would you have paid that? And I said all day long and twice on Sunday, because it's, it's again, my efficiency, the efficiency part of myself. And really what we're trying to focus on here is a very, I don't want to say, I don't want to use simple in a bad way, but, but to make this process as simple and easy as possible. Um, yeah. In, in an effort of efficiency uh, to... I'm, I'm guessing everyone would love it to be simple. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that that's that would, at the moment that I went on this journey, that would have been almost priceless to me. Yeah. So. Well, let's take a break. And when we come back, let's continue the conversation. What do you say, Laura? Yep. All right. We're back from the break. If you haven't become a patron of the podcast, do so now. Go to patreon.com. When you become a patron of the podcast, you get access to all of our patron-exclusive episodes in which we do deep dives on various different things. So we're back here with Laura Matthews. What's your What's your new last name again? Gransberry. Gransberry. Uh, so in the future, everyone will just know you as Laura Gransberry. Yes. And so um, there, are, I've been recommending for a long time a podcast called Practice of the Practice. Yeah. Run by. Um, oh man, I used to know his name off uh, off the top of my head, but Is it Steve. Um, Sanic, Sanic, Steve Sanic. His last name's Sanic, I okay. think. Anyway, he has a podcast called Practice the Practice, and he's had it, I'm guessing, for like a long time. It's probably yeah. like six or seven years. And on this podcast, he does episodes on how to build a private practice. And mm-hmm. he's had a really excellent website where I remember discovering him early on. I didn't need to listen to his podcast, but but I was just curious what advice he was giving, and so I'd listen occasionally. Mm-hmm. But he also has a website in which, back in the day, maybe he still does this, does this, in which he would fully disclose exactly how he built his practice, mm-hmm. how much money he was making. I mean, he he posted his exact revenue and where it was coming from. He still from. does that. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah, and and I remember just being like, "Whoa, that is a lot of self disclosure." Yeah. You know, he he's he's just saying, "This is how much I earn, and this is where I get it from, and I get consultation fees and all this kind of stuff." Anyway, so he's been doing that for a while, and I've been recommending his podcast to to people who are in the yeah you know, asking similar questions mm-hmm. as what we were talking about earlier. What's different about what you guys are doing? Well, we're uh, the main difference is that it's in person, which is important for me for would have been important for me. I learned very well in an experiential, which is why I went to Antioch in an experiential setting. Um, so the idea of, and I, and when I started out, I looked at those kinds of things online. There was actually a myriad of stuff, available resources of things, you know, making suggestions about marketing and things like that. I, I, it just wasn't enough for me. And I really, latched on and liked this idea of creating a classroom setting, which 
is what students are, are used to. Um, and having that in-person, real-time Q&A experience. I'm guessing it's also more concise because his podcast by now must be like hundreds of hours yeah. of content, which is one way of getting that information. But maybe some people don't want to sift through all that all that time. Yeah. I'm just guessing. Yeah. We're going to cover a lot of information in a short amount of time. Um, and... I think that's a that's a benefit. That's really again something that was very intentional. Something that I was looking for on on the the get go. Yeah. Um, Are you going to have like advanced classes eventually? We've talked about it. Yeah. We've talked about advanced marketing classes, um, things like that. Just you know. What well, What do you expanding. say to people when they're thinking like what, what's what's one tip that you can give? around marketing, you know, because the main question people have is like, how do, how do I get clients? Right. What do you say? The big barrier there is uh, oftentimes for therapists in this field that, that are, I, I make this joke, right? Like we signed up for a profession where we lock ourselves in a room with people then don't like interact with them. And it's all, it's all secretive. Right, right, right. Big crowds are, are generally difficult. Um, and then God forbid, talk about yourself <laughs> to, to other people. The big, uh, the tip there, the, the encouragement there is to don't look at it like you are marketing yourself. Look at it as though you are building relationships because that's what we're good at. We're good at creating alliances with our clients where, you know, that's, that's the hope. And if you go to a, a talk or a workshop or, or a, a quote unquote networking event and focus less on, I'm here to market myself and I want to pass out 10 business cards and more about, oh, I heard this conversation over here. This person, you know, does this type of family therapy. That's really interesting. I want to talk to that person and get to know them and tell them about what I'm doing and create an, create a, you know, an organic alliance there. That's marketing. Yeah. You are telling people what you're doing. Hmm. Um, and being curious about what they're doing and you're creating, you know, your intentional community. Um, and then referral partners come out of that. And, and that's just uh, one way. That's not the way. but Yeah, obviously. Yeah. But I like it because it's not just a tip to follow, but actually is, I think, empathetic to where therapists come from. Yeah. You know, and the way you said it, I'm guessing, would really resonate with people Um Especially if you led with that one, right? Because, uh, it, like you said, therapists are, they don't, you know, people say, I want to become a therapist because I want to help people. I want to make a difference. Mm -hmm. I, I want to. I want to be a therapist. They they don't sign up to be a therapist because they love to market themselves right. on the internet. You know that's not that it's usually the opposite of what they do. In right. fact, a lot of therapists I and again I, this sort of relates to what I was talking about earlier. I have to actually break them of the habit or the style of life that they have where they deprecate themselves, you know, right. where they, they say, well, I don't know what I'm doing. Right. Or, uh, you know, I, who, who am I to say that I should be getting clients when there's other therapists that are probably better than me, you know? Yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, sure, other therapists might be better than you, but but you're worth it. You're, you're a rock. I, I say this a lot. It's like, you're a rock star. Yeah. You know, actually one thing that I said a couple of weeks ago to my students was that, you know, in a few months, six months, you're going to be graduated. Mm -hmm. And the difference between you and me will be nothing. The only difference will be that I just have more confidence in what I do. Yeah. Um, I, I, have I have much more experience, but in terms of the marketability of you and of you and me is actually the same. And they're all looking at me like, 
that's insane. No way. They're yeah. just like, that's insane. There's no way, you know, you're Kirk Honda. You, you're da da da. And I'm like, no, no, no. That, that's just my brand. Yeah. I'm just an idiot trying to figure this out like anybody else. And you just think I know what I'm talking about, but I really don't. And you, if you believe in yourself, the day after you graduate, you are totally capable, especially when, you know, when you should get your associate license, you are authorized to be in private practice. Yes. And all you have to do is it now to, to say like you're super competent, you know, and in, in all these various different areas, you know, you don't want to be uh, unethical and arrogant that way. But your ability to listen, your ability to heal, your ability to hear people, your ability to facilitate communication, your ability to diagnose, your ability to look things up, your ability to get support, your ability to figure things out is no different from me. You're the same. And you can charge as much or more than me if you just say to yourself, I'm worth it. Yeah. it it's your choice. But if you choose to believe that you're not worth it, then you're not. Right. Uh, and, and that's a choice you make. It's not an empirical science. There's, right. you know, someone can graduate and get their associate license and charge double what I charge and say that they're worth twice as much. And I have no empirical proof to, to say that they're not worth twice as much as right. me. It just matters about if people are willing to pay that price. And a lot of people in Seattle right now are willing to pay that, pay quite a bit for therapy because yeah. therapy is highly valued in Seattle and there's a lot of young people looking for therapy. There's a lot of couples looking for people like you and me, uh, a lot of families with kids looking for people like you and me, a lot of individuals and lots of disposable income. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then especially once you get paneled by insurance, then, you know, there's a lot of opportunity there. But anyway, that, that's what I tell people. So you just have to believe in yourself. You just, so I say, believe that you're the shit. Believe that you're a rock star because yeah. you are. Think of all the money and all the time you spent on this profession. Have right. you ever spent this much time and effort on training for a job? You know, when you go to another job, they might they put you down in front of a VHS tape and you watch it for an hour. That's your training. You have spent tens of thousand dollars, three or four years of your life, blood, sweat, and tears to to get to this point where you're qualified to do this thing. You're a rock star, man. Yeah. You are a highly trained, ed highly educated individual, and you should believe in yourself. And, and it's just like they're looking at me like I can see the spark, you know, building, but it's like a tiny little, tiny little, faint little spark. You know, they're just like, okay. I think I, I, I wish I could Maybe. internalize that. Maybe. I'll consider that, that yeah. that's true. <laughs> Yeah. But, but anyway, yeah. So And with all that anxiety that you have just just in those things that you were talking about alone, on top of I have no idea how to structure this business can be crippling. Yeah. And so we that's the mission here is that we're trying to take the fear and anxiety out of the business side of it. Um there is when you are not educated about all of those things, it, there's a lot to be afraid of. But when you are educated about how to build and run and deal with the day-to-day -day mechanics of business ownership and entrepreneurship, owning your own business, um, there's there's a lot less to be afraid of. You feel very much empowered, at least I do at this point, to know how this works. And I'm not afraid of taxes in the way that I used to be, you know, um, which is I remember that day when we did my taxes last year. I was like, oh, I get it. This is so exciting. Um, I'm not afraid of this anymore. Mm -hmm. And and that's that's an awesome place to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And your husband is almost like a professional 
a business helper of people to build their business, right? Yeah. So. And what most people don't know is that he actually, before he went into tech, uh, because he's like this forever learner, he's kind of a renaissance person in that way and that he's just – He's already had like seven careers and his it's crazy. Um, but he was a certified health and nutrition coach. So he has built a private practice, not only just a bit, you know, businesses for, for tech companies, but he built his health coaching private practice mm. from the ground up as well. Mm. So he, ha he brings that. He brings certainly the business mindedness um, aspect of, of how this stuff runs uh, to the table. Right. Which is important. And again, something that we're both probably always telling people in this position of just like, um, you know, the, the wording that I use with people to help them transition to a mindset that is necessary for building a private practice. Cause, cause they're coming to me and they're just like, so how do I, as a therapist, how do I get clients? You know, they'll, they'll right. say, and I'll be like, well, first off you're thinking about it cause, and they'll tell me more and I'll be like, first off you're thinking about it the wrong way. Think about it like you're opening a dry cleaning business or a restaurant interesting, okay. or a, a a dog grooming business or yeah. something like it, it really there are therapeutic elements to it, but it's but you're starting a business, business. Mm -hmm. and you need to get customers. Mm -hmm. And how does any restaurant get people into the door? Right. And if you ask that question and it, sometimes I'll just do it. It's like so just let's say you're starting a, a restaurant. How do you get people to get in the door? They're like, well. You got to advertise. Mm -hmm. You got to have like deals, maybe coupons. Mm -hmm. You got to, you know, I don't know, get on the radio and talk about your new restaurant. Or a podcast. Yeah, podcast. <laughs> you have to uh, have a good product. You have to, your your storefront has to look nice or mm -hmm. your, your tables have to look nice. You have to, when people come in, they have to uh, have a good experience. Yeah. Uh, they're going to write reviews on Yelp about you. And so it's like, okay, well... Uh, you know, some things are a little different, but really it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. And and that's the mindset you have to have. And it's not rocket science, you right. know, it's, 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 it's attainable and you learn as you go, but that's the mindset you want to have. And, and I've had the opportunity to supervise a lot of, um, you know, therapists who are starting out in their private practice and, and I have seen many different paths. Mm -hmm. I, I had a supervisee who had one or two clients in the first three years. To wow. Total. So that's at the low end. Right. And right. then I've had people at the high end who will have a full-time practice, full-time marriage and family practice within two or three months. Mm -hmm. And... I've seen everything in between. Lately, I don't know what it is, but I've been seeing a lot of people build practices very quickly lately. Mm -hmm. and I, uh, there's probably no research on it in the area, <laughs> but I, I'm guessing, and I wonder what your thoughts are, that it just has to do with uh, all the factors I was talking about earlier in terms of the culture around therapy is has been changing. Seattle mm -hmm. is particular about that. Younger people are even more open to going to counseling. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of young people in Seattle and the area moving here for Amazon or Microsoft mm -hmm. or Starbucks or what are the what are the other places that people work and, yeah. and and they are alone and or they're building a new relationship and they they want to go to therapy. Um, and, and then you add all the money and the health insurance options and right. everything, and, and you just get 
kind of a, a perfect storm for a lot of opportunities for therapists to have clients. What What do you think? Yeah, I think there's just a tremendous amount of growth happening in Seattle, uh, period, no matter what. Obviously, we have more tower cranes here, I think, than anywhere else in, in the U.S., um, we can't build things fast enough for the influx of people that move here on a daily basis. Um, so there's that. And there's also, which is so encouraging to me that you're speaking to is this, even though there's still a, a, a stigma that we fight about, about therapy and people seeking help, um, that is softening. And it's so comforting to see. I used to spend a couple sessions sometimes with people helping that helping fight that you know and oh, I have to be here and I'm broken there's something wrong with me and I've noticed a, a a little bit of a shift in the direction of no I'm just here to because this you know people ask for help and that's okay mm-hmm. um so that's really refreshing uh I also um had a conversation with Paul David quite a while ago actually and he said he made a good point that a lot of the baby boomers are retiring out of their practices in the next 10 years mm-hmm. and that that is a I'm not certain on the statistic or the or the percentage I should have should have researched that for this talk but uh it's it's a large number of yeah. clinicians that are going to retire out of their practices uh soon in the, you know yeah, I remember you said that to me a while ago. Mm-hmm. I don't know what we were talking about, but I think you said that. And and at the time, I was just like, well, you know, how many baby boomers relative to other generations yeah. could there possibly be? But when you said that, it, it, it makes total sense because of what's happening at Antioch. I right. mean, I, I when I started uh, full-time at Antioch in '09. I was the youngest instructor by far. Rebecca Bloom, I think, is a little older than me. So it's just basically me and Rebecca who were around 40, and everyone else was not even in their 50s. Yeah. They, they were mid-60s or in their 70s. And and that's that was across all the programs, not just the psychology programs. It oh, was wow. education. It was it was everywhere. Everyone mm-hmm. was not only in you know of that age, but they were also had been there for a long time. They had been at Antioch for twenty, thirty years. Yeah. And in the last four years ish, five years, there's been this humongous shifting of the guard, changing of the guard, where all those people are retiring. Right. And. And all the new hires, naturally, you know, well, I don't know, naturally, but for whatever reason, we end up hiring a lot of young people like yourself. I mean, you're you're 33. You're, you're thirty three, and so and you're full time. Yes. So and, and and you're might even be kind of on the older side of some of the new hires. Anyway, the point is, is you're a typical hire. You know, like right. uh, a lot of the new full time people, not only in our program but in other programs, are are in their thirties. Some people are in their twenties. So. Uh, so it's shifted where now I'm the old fogey because now I'm, <laughs> I'm 47 now. Yeah. And I am uh, now not only uh, one of the more senior person, mm-hmm. it, it, persons uh, and coming soon. I mean, Paul Davis sort of half time. But if so, if you ignore him, like in the psychology programs, I'm trying to think of another person who's been there longer than me. I don't in all think of the so. oh, Janice Hoshino started she she started yeah she, she started when I started as an adjunct. Um okay. Ann Blake is a is a is an adjunct now. So or maybe half time but anyway. My, my and they she started around the same time I did when I started as a as a as an adjunct. But aside from that I'm trying to think of anyone who's been there longer than me and I I um, I mean Ned I guess is still part of the PhD program. Anyway, the point is is that uh I am not only 
you know, one of the more senior people, people by far, mm-hmm. but I'm also like, like one of the oldest people by far. Mm-hmm. So that is uh, indicative of, of this phenomenon that Paul was saying is that you have all these 60s, 70s year old therapists who are retiring yeah. and uh, it's using, it's, it's creating this huge vacuum for right. starting out therapists to gobble up all the clients. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, if you're in the Seattle re- and w- Seattle region, it's like you can go out to Issaquah or even like you know Edmonds or yeah. down to Tacoma. There, there's growth I've found anecdotally in all those areas. Yeah. Um, or I'm just such an amazing supervisor that <laughs> uh, that uh, you know uh, translates into successful practices. I don't know. Um, yeah. Well, so anything else we haven't talked about in terms of your your workshop? What's the website called again? Uh, openyourpractice.com. Openyourpractice.com. Mm-hmm. And they can go there to sign up for workshops. And the next one is in April of 2018, but you'll presumably have other ones in the future. Yeah. And uh, so what else haven't we talked about today? There's this element where I, I think a lot of people that are listening to this podcast that are interested in opening private practice um, – that are staring at this mountain in front of them, wondering how to climb it. How do I get to the top? How do, can I go around the bottom? Like, what, how do we navigate this seemingly terrifying uh, endeavor? Um, I I was there. That was me. I I have been there, and I You've want, been to the top of the I've mountain. Been to the top of the mountain. I feel like I'm at the top of the mountain, <laughs> <laughs> and I want to pull people along. You know, remove this this barrier that um, when you're at the top is not that scary, um, and. I, I feel that we've done a really great job in simplifying this process and creating a platform that is accessible and um, and really relevant to what's going on today and, and how to get <laughs> – this so, sounds so cliche – get that dream off the ground. It was really a dream of mine and um, – to get that private practice uh, business off the ground, and and I did it, and I'm I'm standing on the other side saying, you know, there's lots of clinicians that are standing on the other side that can say that that's possible, mm-hmm. and I just want people to know that we're here to help. We're here to help take the anxiety and fear out, and and we're here to talk about the business of therapy. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and as you're talking, I'm thinking. Uh, I'm glad that I hired you as a teacher because that's that's the true mark of a of a good teacher in yeah. in therapy oh, is someone who obsesses about helping people who are just starting out. It is kind of an obsession of mine. I never thought about it that way, but it's I very much that resonates a lot with me. Yeah. I I have been through my journey and and I want to help people navigate that and it's yeah, uh, full stop. That's totally true. Right. It's a calling that people have. And I, you know, we've talked about this before on the podcast, I think. I know we've talked about it in person, is when you first started out, I didn't know if you were going to be a good teacher or not. Yeah, you said that, I remember. Because <laughs> you came to me and I was like, you were like, well, I'm interested in teaching. And I was like, okay, well, how about you assistant teach one of my classes? And I was like, in my head, I was like, this could go a lot of different ways. Because yeah. I've been burned before. I've had people come to me in this way before, and I've had it go not so great. Mm-hmm. And so uh, just because someone wants to be a teacher doesn't mean they're going to be a good teacher. Right. <laughs> and pretty right away, I was like impressed. I mean, you were pretty raw because you'd never done it before. Mm-hmm. But I was like, whoa. Like, And I have a pretty low expectation because it's, like, it's a hard thing to teach. You yeah. Know? And it's also, you can't invent passion. Mm. You can't invent 
a uh, obsession with helping people and i could that was present right from the start you know oh, with what it was a family of origin class and it's first first quarter students and right away whenever there was a question from a student or a a vibe in the room that uh needed that there were question marks in the room mm-hmm. you like you know, stepped in and you're just like, well, let me help you with that. You know, let me answer your questions. You know, you weren't, you didn't just sit back and go like, well, I don't know. There's, there's question marks. Who cares? You know what I mean? Right. Which, which, which is what I would consider to be more normal behavior. You know what I mean? It's more normal to be like, well, I don't know the answer to that. Like, go figure it out yourself. Why are you asking? Why are you asking me? You know. Yeah. Whereas you, you would, you would feel very compelled to like answer the question and right. like want to help them out. And so, yeah, it's a mark of a true teacher. And and you know, it's funny because if <laughs> in another sort of realm, if you were say a teacher of entrepreneurs in general, you know what I mean? Okay. If you're if you were just like. I am giving a workshop on how to make money in finance or something. It just has such a sleazy kind of connotation yeah. to it. But when it, so it, you know, it could be seen as that what you're doing, but it, I know that it's not because it comes from the heart, you know? Mm. Um, and that's what I was telling people uh, the, yesterday when they were talking about the price. I was like, actually, like, for a full day of a professional workshop like this, like it actually should be a lot more, you know? That's what others, I had heard that from other students too. Like, Oh, I just paid hundreds of dollars more than that for this other thing over here. Workshop over here. I think it was the Gottman level one or two or something. And, um, so they're like, that's actually a really reasonable price, which is encouraging to hear. And right. Right. So it's, it's not a money grab, you know, it's, it's, trying to build a business and you want to get paid for it. But at the mm-hmm. same time, it's a passion project that you and your husband have for, has a lot of altruistic, um, you know, purpose to it that yeah. I just have to say, maybe I'm being a jerk. I just don't think exist when you have a workshop to teach, you know, financial people on how to make more money. You yeah. Know what I mean, I don't know. That's just me being, uh, I don't know, prejudiced or something. <laughs> but anyway, so thanks for coming on the podcast, yeah. Laura, and talking about, again, plug your website again. Openyourpractice.com. Openyourpractice.com. Go there. Check out what they have. I, I'm guessing now and in the future, you'll just have articles or things. Yeah, can... we're going to add and build more content. That's the other part of that is that there's, you know, there's not much right now because we're just starting out. But once we do this and you can actually, that's something I should say, you should, you can subscribe to a newsletter on the website. So we'll do a publication of, you know, some kind of offering, um, if you subscribe to the newsletter and little tips and tidbits and stories and, and things like that. So, um, at, at the very least, go to the website and subscribe to the newsletter because it, it'll be pretty cool. Cool. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for joining me out there, us out there. Please take care of yourself because you deserve it. You really, really do.